You are listening to the Dark Corner Podcast with DJ Evil Dave and Dr. Brandy Sexy Voice. birthday to you you only change keys like three times that's good for you uh, how many keys should i do one okay it should be in one key <laughs> it's a modulator uh-uh <laughs> nice try hello i'm actually a vocoder hello. hello 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 yes it's our second birthday podcast of the month Yes, we've now reversed uh, the celebrations because I spent so much time talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yep. We've uh, reversed the polarity of the neutron flow. That's that's how you do everything. Yep. So this time I'll be talking about cyberpunk, which is what I had planned on the first time. Yes, and we're going to get to it that this time. That didn't happen. Yes, because we don't have that much else to speak on. Nope. Uh, indeed, do you want to just get right into it? Let's get up on it. Some news and reviews. Yep. Alright, so news, since it is our birthdays, we came into some birthday money that we're just both staring at going, uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what am I going to do with this? I think I finally landed on getting myself a rat-tailed waxwood staff for Tai Chi practice. And since I can get one through Amazon, I can use a gift card. It's kind of weird because it'll show up basically shrink-wrapped. Just a six-foot staff. And it's uh, rat-tailed because it's like a rat tail. It's narrower on one end than the other. Mm-hmm. And then wax wood is a very strong but flexible wood that's good for martial arts weapons. And it's listed as smooth, so it's sanded down so there won't be any splinters or anything. Very nice. So... It'll be nice to have the authentic thing that's recommended and was the original weapon of choice in developing the form, based, of course, on Shaolin Kung Fu. Of course. Yeah. But then internalized, because that's what you do with Tai Chi. Right. Is the moves are less external and more internal, adopting the breathing methods of, uh, of Tai Chi. And so it's considered a spiritual Kung Fu. Indeed. Yep. You were looking at stuff as well. Art supplies. Art supplies, because you want to get into drawing and coloring. Again. Yes. Because I used to do it. Yes. Like 20-odd years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think my medium is really colored pencils. Yeah, I can see why, too, because less mess. Well, not only that, if you get softcore colored pencils, you can layer. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. This, uh, layer and smudge and stuff like that. And highlight and yeah. all of those things. So. Mm-hmm. 
you can make things look very real. Yeah. And uh, I just I just like the working with that medium. Mm-hmm. It's comfortable. Fair enough. Do your own fan art and stuff. Do your own original concepts. Yeah, I uh, I have too many ideas in my head and mm-hmm. not enough talent to execute them the way I want to. Yep. So I just start with how I can do it and yep. go from there. Practice, develop, start with an image, replicate it as your skill improves. Indeed. Yeah. She has a cat on her lap, which might be why she sounds a little distant. Yes, I can't lean forward because cat. Yeah, she's far from the mic because the cat is on her lap. That's okay. I can project. Yes, and maybe that will make the cat disappear. I don't know. So far, he's pretty settled. Yeah, sure is. Until I messed with his ear fur. Oh, I don't know if we talked about me getting you into Dungeons and Daddies. No, we didn't talk about that. Uh, Yeah, you... Well, you've mentioned it many, many times. Yeah. And then you played an opening bit for me. Yes. And I'm just like, okay, I just really need to listen to this. (laughs) So I started at the beginning, and I'm on episode... What episode am I on? I'm on episode 36. Wow. So I'm more than halfway through. That's not including extras like Talking Dads mm-hmm. and... I did listen to Saturday or Datterday Night Live. That was funny. <laughs> but I think they missed a trick and trick and should have called it Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live, yeah. But it it works either way. Mm-hmm. Um, that was hilarious. They took actual questions from listeners who sent in MP3s of their questions, <laughs> yeah. and it was delightful. The whole conundrum between would you rather have eyes for nipples or nipples for eyes? Yep. And they were thinking it was an either or situation, like you're, it, you had to make your nipples your eyes or your mm. eyes your nipples. No. Yep. You, it means you have two sets. Mm-hmm. Either you, have, <laughs> either you have nipples that are eyes or eyes that are nipples. Yep. But that doesn't preclude your other thing that's already what it is. Yep. So that's an easy answer you'd want. Nipples eyes for, for nipples. Eyes for nipples. Yeah. Not nipples for eyes. Yeah. That way you have two sets of eyes. Yes. Yeah, like, hey, my eyes are down here. Uh-huh. That is a joke they made. Yep. So. Because yeah. otherwise you're blind. And what's the point of having extra nipples? I know. There's no reason. It is a great show. It sucked me in really easily. Yep. Especially now that I have settled down and understand all these characters Mm -hmm. because I've been with them so long. Yeah, and you get nuance. I mean, at first you're like, okay, I don't think I like this character. Then you find out a little bit more about him and then you're like, oh, more compassionate, more understanding character than I originally thought. I thought Mm -hmm. they were just, you know, this blanket, you know, toxic masculine. But then you find out, oh, you stay at home dad. Then there's some humility there that you... You know, comes across later on. Yep. So. And uh, the the only person that I really, not, I shouldn't say it that way. The only character I really can't get behind is Glenn. Because aside from, you know, still being devoted to his dead wife, mm-hmm. uh, he's not really a good person. No, he's not. At all. And that gets addressed later. So I look forward to that. Yeah. For you to experience. Yeah. But I'm, I'm really enjoying, I especially enjoy... And this may be a spoiler to some people. Sorry, it's not a huge spoiler. But um, Daryl, who Darryl, is your, yeah. who th- we thought was just toxic masculinity and mm-hmm. isn't, yep. his son is gay. Yes. And no big deal is made about that at all. Nope. This is as if it's completely normal, which it, it is. is. Yeah. 
and they just don't even make it a thing. Mm -hmm. And that is the way you do diversity. Yeah, it's it's just a thing. And we'll talk about that later because our review does the very same thing. Indeed. There's something that gets dropped and it's just accepted without comment. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, the character of Glenn Close is, I think, a high-functioning sociopath. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, very selfish behavior, very irresponsible parent, and tends to do his own thing. Yeah. And even when given an opportunity to do the right thing, chooses not to. Yeah, it's only because of the fans screaming at them every week that he actually started doing bard stuff. Oh, yeah, like bardic inspiration, mm -hmm. which is the whole point of being a bard is you can boost your companions. Yeah, it's just like, do you mm. know how much you could have helped early on, you dork? Yeah. But, uh, you know, these are guys who have not really played D&D that much, right. if at all. Mm -hmm. Except for Anthony. Obviously, Anthony's played before. He's the game master. Yeah, Anthony Birch, writer for Borderlands 2. And uh, a lot of other things, and too. And a lot of other things, too, but that's the one that tends to get addressed. And yeah, he's uh, quite the dungeon master, does a lot of fun voices for characters. And since it's all about dads searching for their sons in the Forgotten Realm, mm -hmm. or Forgotten Realms, pluralize it, uh, that there's a lot of dad jokes and puns. And, of course, Beth May's a fan favorite. Yeah, she's she, amazing. Yeah, she's playing Ron Stampler. Who's no, a, Ron Stampler. Ron Stampler. You have to say it like that. Yeah, I'm Beth May, and I play Ron, Ron Stampler, Stampler. Who's a... Uh, Emotionally... Yes, yeah, stunted and abused because you find out what Ron's dad did to him raising him yeah i don't know everything yet so yep. no spoilers yeah, it's messed up but yeah that uh she plays a the business dad the businessman dad yeah Ooh. who's a, a rogue yep actually doing rogue stuff they're finally really i yep. mean like finally i think they're really coming into their own as far as uh well especially um Henry and Ron yep. coming into their abilities and really using mm -hmm. their magic and abilities and feats and whatnot. Daryl Wilson was fully formed at the start with being a barbarian. Oh, yeah. But yeah. it's not that hard because you do rage and you beat stuff up. Mm -hmm. And that's basically... And even calls on his ancestors, too, which is, you know, the, the archetype that that um, Matt Arnold chose for his character, which makes sense. He's calling on his far forefathers. He's like the dads that came before him, including George Washington as the father of the country. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't have children, y'all, so he wasn't a dad in the traditional sense. No, but he's the father of the country, and because that's the kind of character that, that Daryl Wilson is. He's, you know, a conservative and a Catholic and all the stuff that he brings up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, great, great podcast. Yeah, it's really good times, and I do recommend it. And if you become a Patreon or patron of their Patreon, they have some additional content depending on your level, including suggesting names for NPCs. Mm-hmm, which they use. Yep. Who knows? You might get your name read out at the end of the podcast you when Freddie is talking about the patreon and mm -hmm. you could be member like these members and rattles yep. off a list of actual <laughs> patreon names uh, i know that you were already a patron mm -hmm. but i wanted to be a patron too and so i subscribed as a patron for myself yeah so yeah. there's plenty of extra content because they have the talking dad or they go behind the scenes and discuss the 
most recent episode. And they answer questions in that, too. There's the prequel of At the, mount- at the da- Mountains of Dadness. At, yeah. the mount- at the Mountains of Dadness, Dadness, which is with them playing the Lovecraft RPG. So which that gets fantastic. creepy. And they have this latest one where they're playing a Star Wars RPG. And they're playing a jizz band. And, of course, they make all the jizz jokes. Of course they do. Because you can't not. And Beth May playing basically a lounge singer. Nice. A lady lounge singer. Oh, she gets Of advanced fancy, age. Though. Yeah. No, it's okay. And she seduces everybody around her, even though she's like in her 70s or some weird thing. Age is relative. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. And she'll do parody songs. Uh, yeah, the, the extra stuff they do. The oh, parody yeah. songs mm-hmm. and whatnot. Just delightful. Uh, Rocks Rock. The, the EP. Henry Oaks EP. That's geology related rap and R&B songs. Because Henry is an, a, a geologist. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> He's the druid. And does wild shape and turns into stuff way earlier than he's supposed to, mm-hmm. which gets addressed by fans as well. It's like he shouldn't have been able to turn into a bear. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. You can. That's the that's the entertainment value, you know. Yep. Well, they all bring something unique to the group, which is what you want in a D and D party. Yes. Instead of you know everybody playing min max characters of the same type and mm-hmm. it's like it get very dull it's like all this is very character oriented because henry oaks nervous energy that's just that character yeah ron's just weirdness beth is hilarious yep. and i i just i love everything she does yep. she just cracks me up and when <laughs> when they have weird crossover things like oh Ron's gonna call his good friend Beth May. Yep. And get some advice. And so Anthony's doing Beth mm-hmm. while Ron Beth is doing Ron. It's fucking hilarious. It is really great. Especially later on when Beth has a book of poetry out. Oh boy. And so that keeps getting addressed. Wow. And you could just imagine her face turning red. Yeah. And I will say, because this podcast started before the pandemic. Uh-huh. And once the pandemic hit, they had to stop recording in person and do it via Zoom. Yep. And the quality did not diminish. No. Audio-wise. Yeah. So Freddie deserves major props mm-hmm. for editing. Oh, Freddie's editing is just fire. It's so unreal. good at it. It's so professional. There's sound effects. There's parody songs. There's parodies of other podcasts that they do to intro, mm-hmm. like doing. Like NPR, or there's one, I don't know if you've heard it yet, but when they do My Brother, My Brother and Me. No, I haven't heard that one yet. Please don't tell me anything. <laughs> I don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward, but yeah, they do a parody intro. Well, they have mentioned podcast. them more than once because mm-hmm. they were jealous of the Adventure Zone. But... Yep. but they have a huge following now, too. Oh, yeah, huge. I mean, it's not Adventure Zone, but levels because, you know, the McElroy, they're the first family of podcasting, so... You know, yeah. Well, they've been doing this for a long time, like over a decade. Yeah. Well, we've been recording longer than the McElroys. Yes, we have. Yeah. But we don't have their but star power. We don't power. have their star power. We don't, haven't broken through. We don't have like the Maximum Fun Network. Oh, speaking of Maximum Fun, uh, they just finished their drive and they reached 20,000 new uh, upgrading or boosting Membership. donors, members. So that's cool. And the... Three of the folks from Dungeons and Daddies are also on a Maximum Fun podcast called Story Break because they're screenwriters and they basically come up with 
some concept and then write a movie or, you know, basically the, the blueprints of a movie in an hour. And often it's video game inspired or whatever the latest buzz thing is. Like they did Magic the Gathering. They did, I think they did a World of Warcraft one. Uh, I think they did a Warhammer one and Fortnite. And right now they're doing a Star Wars A Jar Jar Binks story. Oh God, are they still doing that? Yeah. Well, they did this with Heaven Heist 2 in which they did a year to fully flesh out scene by scene an entire script ah. based on one of their more popular shows and Jar Jar or Star Wars story. Their basic framework was one of the most popular episodes. Mm. One that they actually turned Jar Jar into this amazing hero whose sacrifice goes unseen. And so nobody's aware of the sacrifice he did to bring out the goodness in Darth Vader that you see later in in Return of the Jedi. What? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yep. That kind of plants the seed for that turn later on. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, they're writing that right now. But uh, over the, the fund drive, they did Infinite Jest, which is this unfilmable book. Because it's a book with footnotes to footnotes in it. Oh, Jesus. It'd be basically like reading an episode of Family Guy with all these asides and turns and they also did the bible <laughs> which was really interesting because they did it like citizen kane oh my god where like basically a reporter of the time coming in and to write on the death of jesus and what it means and having to talk to all the apostles and getting their opinions and different stories and so it's kind of rashomon too because they're all telling different stories of the bible and going back to explain well to understand this you have to go way back to this and going like old testament up to up to i guess revelations so yeah it was a fascinating way to approach it i don't know how you could do it otherwise unless yeah. you turn it into a series of mm -hmm. movie scripts because yeah I don't know if you've noticed, but the Bible is big. <laughs> it's big. There's 66 stories in the Bible. Well, yeah, and yeah. and actually one of those books is just this person begat this person, mm. and on and on and yeah. on and on. It's just a genealogy. They also addressed Paul's letters. <laughs> to the Corinthians? Because his is like, the letters, all his epistle, epistles, you know, parts of the Bible, that's like a fourth of the entire Bible. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, they addressed that and how they could talk about his letters and what they mean. Yeah, it just makes me want to do an Eddie Izzard bit. Yeah. He's basically like the YouTube commenter of the mm. Bible. Just going in and posting com comments on everybody. Well, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. It's all like morality. Yeah, which is the Corinthians basically went, Who are you? <laughs> yep. Leave us alone. Yeah. Welcome to Dungeons and Daddies, sometimes a BDSM podcast, a actual play D&D podcast about four dads flung into the Forgotten Realms in the quest to rescue their lost sons. My name is Freddie Wong. I play Glenn Close, the bard rock star of the group. The <laughs> so formal. No, this is like a, an evening with Dungeons and Daddies. <laughs> in the following essay, I'll explain how my dad is. My name is Matthew Arnold. I play Daryl Wilson, a stay-at-home coach dad who's now a barbarian in the Forgotten Realms. Hey, everyone. Hi. You might be wondering who I am. <laughs> I'm Will Campos. I play Henry Oak on this podcast. Henry Oak is a uh, granola-crunching, Birkenstock-rocking, hippie-natured dad slash druid. 
Hi, Beth. How are you today? Hi, Will. I'm great. My name is Beth May, and I play Ron Stampler, emotionally detached stepfather who has recently become a little more emotionally attached. Yeah, I'm Anthony Birch. <laughs> still. Every day I wake up and look at the mayor, still me, baby. Uh, I'm your daddy master, and uh, my daddy fact is, if you ever have the good fortune to, to be on a podcast that gets a fan base going, make sure not to mention uh, sketches that you don't like. <laughs> uh, shall we get into our review? Uh, no, I have a birthday present Oh, you present have, oh yeah, you have about. a birthday present to talk about that you got. That's right. Yeah, if, you, about that. if you follow me on Twitter or Facebook, you may have already seen it. My boss who has never given me a bad gift in the entire nine years I've worked at my job. Wow. Has, uh, gave me a phone charger. It's one of the wireless phone chargers where you just set your phone on top of it. But it's not just a phone charger. It's also a power bank, meaning you can charge it up and then take it on the go Uh to just, you know, turn it on and charge a phone. But it's Starfleet themed. Yeah, it has the logo on it, and it lights up. And the Delta, it lights up. It fucking lights up. I didn't know it lit up mm-hmm. until I plugged it in. Right. And I'm just like, what is this? I love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing and wonderful, and it makes me super happy. Yeah, it's cool. You took it out and set your phone on it to watch it charge, and it's like, oh, nifty. Yeah, yeah, it is very cool. And uh, I posted it in the chat for the Nomad, and many people were like, my husband's never given me a, a gift as good as this. <laughs> just, you know, just funny things like that. Mm-hmm. There was much jealousy. I don't even know where he found it. I didn't even know such a thing existed. I mean, I yeah. obviously, a wireless charger, sure. I've mm-hmm. seen those plenty. But a Star Trek-themed one that lights up and is also a power bank? Where did he find that? Yeah, I imagine he probably just did a very specific search it's like, okay, I need something Star Trek themed. I see, need something cell phone themed. I don't even know if he went that far yeah. and was just may- maybe looking for something Star Trek themed and this was just the most unique thing he found. Yeah, could be. It's crazy. I love it. It's it's uh, it's amazing. My boss hits it out of the park every time. Yeah, it goes well with your Han Solo Frozen and Carbonite cell phone holder mm-hmm. that you can just kind of stack up so you can set your phone up. Over in a corner of your desk. Yep. Instead of ha- laying it down. I only lay it down when it needs to be charged, baby. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. So now review. Okay, now review. We watched a movie for my birthday. It's a movie I saw some raving reviews about, and it is The Mitchells versus The Machines. You may have heard of it. If you've heard of it and you have not watched it, oh my God! Please go watch it. Yes, it's a very entertaining animated feature. It's pretty long for for an animated feature. It's almost a full two hours. Yeah. It's, I think it's about an hour 50. It has all of the amazing things that you can do with animation, mm-hmm. but it also has a great story. Yeah, because I believe the creators of Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs talked about this, is that in animation, you need jokes that are strictly visual. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, there's no point in doing animation. Exactly. So you need funny things happening in the background. You need, you know, things written like signs. Like Simpsons is notorious for this. Mm-hmm. It's just signs on a marquee or, you know, over a store or just weird puns, just visual gags Yeah. that they lay out on, on screen where you can, I mean, even 
Bart Simpson writing in detention, you know, his, his punishment. Yep. I mean, that's a visual gag. You have to actually read it to get the joke. So, yeah, that's that's something you'll get in here as well. Especially how they show the point of view of our main character. Mm-hmm. I forget her name because it's been a while since we watched it. Oh, my goodness. Let me look it up. In fact, I forget all their names. Yeah, I just typed in the word the, and the first thing that comes up is the Mitchells versus the Machines. Wow, that's insane. Yep. All right. What a 7.8 out of 10. What the hell's wrong with you people? Uh, some people just don't like animated movies or it's the diversity aspects of it people didn't like. God forbid. Yeah. Uh Katie, Katie Mitchell. Katie, Katie Mitchell. So Katie has the what I like to call the artist's sentiment. Mhm. She has the eye of the artist. That's what she wants to be and she has a conflict with her father over this and it's something that reminds me of Dungeons and Daddies is the differences between sons and their fathers is that they're different people. You know, you can't expect your child to grow up to be the same person you are. They're going to have different tastes, different ideals, and that's what we get with Katie and her father. Her father's an outdoorsman, likes to work with his hands, work with woods, mm -hmm. go hunting and hiking and camping and all the rest of that. And she likes to make movies. And she makes movies all the time. Yeah, movies starring their weird dog. Dog cop. Dog cop. Dog, pig, bread. Dog, pig, bread. Dog, pig, bread. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh. oh, the dog cop movies are yep. gold. <laughs> yeah. And it just kind of reminds you of, you know, stuff that, like, just YouTube videos that would become viral. Mm-hmm. You know, just making fun little movies. Kind of like home movies. Reminds me of that. Yeah. When he was making little VHS movies with his friends. Yeah. And sharing them. The whole thing is that she wants to go to film school. She got into film school. Mm -hmm. And she has to... Well, she wants to leave. Yeah. She, she feels like no one understands her. Well, she'd want to show her dad her movies and he'd be too busy doing some weird other thing yeah, he he didn't want to yeah. see her movies and so he always had an excuse yeah even though he was just doing something small like adjusting some picture frame on the wall or mm -hmm. something you know something he could put aside just yep. to sit down and watch her movies but no because it didn't interest him he just kind of ignored it and so she felt ignored and wanted to leave and had already booked a flight and everything to find out that her dad had canceled those flight tickets to go on a road trip. And in a way, it's a good thing that he yep. did ultimately mm -hmm. or else, well... Now things wouldn't end up the way it is. Because simultaneous to this, we have this Mark Zuckerberg, Berg, whatever the fuck his name is. And, um, fuck, I'm forgetting names. The Apple dude. That's I would, I would say he's way more of a Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs type. You know, the these tech moguls that developed the cell phone app that was your personal assistant and she was going to junk that for a new assistant that is basically a robot mm -hmm. that can be your friend and servant and basically yeah basically a slave yeah yeah and uh you find out that this tech mogul has had this close relationship with this phone app because you know this phone app basically made him and I he, wouldn't call it an 
Well, I guess it was an app, but it's really more of an operating, operating system. system. Yeah, it's like an OS. Yeah. But uh, since it's all about upgrades and obsolescence, he just tosses her aside. Mm-hmm. And she does not like that. So guess what? She infects the uh, the new system and takes it over. So now we have this malevolent artificial intelligence that is disappointed in humanity, so is gathering them up to launch them out into space. Uh, with no destination. With no just destination. To be, just, just to be lost in space for time and all eternity. Just to be off the face of the earth so the tech can take over. Yeah, and the the thing that, again, that I always ask is, and then, then what? what? Will she be satisfied you know. Yeah, what what happens when all the humans are gone and mm-hmm. it's just the robots? What what do what you then? do? Yep. What what do you become? What do you do with the planet? I mean, what <laughs> what next? What next? That's the same thing with fascism. Is that, okay? You got rid of all the other people, then the white people. Then what? Then it's left-handed people. Suddenly you don't like them, and they mm-hmm. get ostracized, and you keep reducing it until it's one person. Yeah, because of your desire for homogeny is so great that eventually the only person you'll accept is yourself. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's just one of those things where I'm like, okay, I get that you're upset, but really mm-hmm. what's the end game here? What is, what happens after the dust is cleared? Yeah. Because she's still immobile. She still has to have somebody carry her around. Yeah, because she's basically a cell phone, and so the robots have to carry her about. And In fact, there's this great scene where she wants to throw a fit, mm-hmm. so they set her on the table just so she can vibrate and flip herself Flop around. around <laughs> pitching a fit. Yep. Expertly voiced by Olivia Coleman. Oh, fantastically voiced. I love Olivia Coleman anyway. Yep. Who couldn't? Mm-hmm. But she just knocked it out of the park. I mean, she yep. was so perfect. It's great. Is it's they seem like a dysfunctional family. You know, mm-hmm. they're all being torn apart in different directions. You have the eldest daughter leaving for film college. You have the younger son being upset because they were best friends, and his sister was really the only person that understood him because he's super into dinosaurs, like monomaniacally into dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. He's going through the phone book picking people to talk dinosaurs with. And just just, rent, just, just calling everybody yeah, alphabetically. Yeah, alphabetically. Hi, would you like to have a discussion about dinosaurs with me? <laughs> yeah, it's like, nope. It's like, okay, next. Yeah. And so um, I saw some folks talking about how it represents neurodivergence and that they're, you know, not standard, normal, you know, if in brackets or quote marks, family. Mm-hmm. In fact, they have this other family that seems like the perfect family. Yeah. <laughs> They're practicing yoga together and stuff. Yeah, that would be the Posies. Yes. Their neighbors next door. Voiced by John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Perfect pastel-wearing suburban family, mm-hmm. you know. Always getting along. Everything is always beautiful yep. and harmonious. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when the machines take over they already have a plan in motion and go into combat mode to (laughs) take on the machines and manage to form an escape plan get to their vehicle to drive off but then you find out later they too have been captured yep so it's odd that what seems to make this family dysfunctional is actually the thing that has them survive 
Yes, because they don't react as expected. Yeah. We have this artificial intelligence that plans for things. And because this family is so messed up and unusual. And flying by the seat of their pants. Yeah, and just how the father gave every member of the family as gifts a screwdriver. A very specific kind a of screwdriver. A very specific screwdriver as an anniversary gift, as a birthday gift, as, you know, as what should be a very sentimental thing. He's given them a screwdriver, but that, you know, kind of like a Chekhov's gun comes in later. I'm sorry. I was just looking through the cast list, uh-huh. and that dog was based on a real dog named Doug the Pug. Doug the Pug! And he is a lump. Yep. Oh, yeah, they're trying to train this dog to do stuff and just can't it's like catch and because the eyes are facing two different directions yep it's like the dog sees double but the the dog lets uh, katie do all kinds of things to him for her movies oh yeah dress him up as a little cop and yep. be dog cop and dog cop movies reflect what's going on in katie's life mm-hmm. and so the dog cop's relationship with the police captain is like katie's relationship to her dad yeah which is what the dad figures out later on he's like oh this is how I've been treating her, is I haven't been showing her the attention she needs. Yeah, but not only that, but he realizes that she does care about yep. him. Oh, yeah. That that she is very talented, mm-hmm. and she deserves to be in this film school. And that's great, because through a lot of the movie, you see everything through katie's perspective there's freeze frames there's weird filters there's cuts to live action which is hilarious yep and just the way her mind works Mm -hmm. it works like an artist and so everything has different context or is flavored by some other thing there are so many things that she said especially early on in the movie where i'm just like oh i identify with that so hard Mm -hmm. So, so hard. Because I'm neurodivergent. Yep. I don't think like normal people. No, you've got the, that emotional sensitivity thing. You're a highly sensitive person, so... Well, that and my brain never stops. Yeah, it your never brain stops. never stops. Never well, stops. that happens with a lot of women, is that you just can't shut off the thinking. Not like this. Yeah. Not like this. This is different. Because, yep. you know, yeah. I've, I've mentioned this to more than a few people, and they're just like... Yeah, I, no, well, they're not, not like that. That You can't... Carp- God, this word. Compartmentalize. There we go. It's everything all at once, all the time. Warp 9. Yeah. If it could go warp 10, it would. But if we did that, then, you know, basically we would uh, be everywhere all at once. And um, my brain would probably like that, but I wouldn't. Yep. Well, I compartmentalize all the time. It's like, okay, this thought goes over here. This thought goes over here. Lock this door. I don't have to think about this right now. I'll think about that later. Every once in a while, there will be something that nags at me. I'll get these uh, memories that'll come out of nowhere. Oh, that happens to me. Like this, I had a not great dream before I woke up this morning. Uh Uh-huh. And when I woke up, I'm like, oh, I'm really glad that that was a dream. And then my brain just decided to tell me, you know, if there was an earthquake right now and this house collapsed in on you, you could just be pinned under all the rubble and slowly die. (laughs) Thanks, Brian. Yeah, and it's just constantly doing shit mm-hmm. like that to me. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Don't know. It's like, well... Neurodivergent. Thank you for that thing I'm not planned to respond to. Yeah. Appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, we are talking about how things just get accepted without comment. 
is there's a reference that Katie is gay, mm-hmm. that she's lesbian, that there's, I believe, a girl named Jade, I think, that I she's think interested that in, name, yeah. and that they they were getting to know each other better over, you know, the interwebs, planning to go to this art school, this film school. Yeah. And Jade was already there. Yeah, Jade was already there. And she could have already been here partying with her new art friends because they're doing like water slides down the hall. It's very weird science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like they're all just these artistic people expressing themselves openly and fully, living their best lives. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of Taylor Smurl of the uh, Speaking of the McElroy Family of Podcasts mm-hmm. and their, you know, art school experiences and current life in New York. Leaving West Virginia to New York City to become a bartender. (laughs) Well, and they really suffered during the pandemic because, Mm -hmm. you know, everything closed down and they were jobless with no hope of getting another job. Speaking of Max Fun and how the podcasts can basically fund it as a job like Patreon does for some podcasters. Yep. Like, I believe Jim Moon, that's basically his job now, Mm -hmm. is professional podcaster. Good for him. So, he puts a lot of work and care. Oh, yeah. The research that goes into Hypnagoria is insane. It's amazing. Yeah. And just the production quality, too. In fact, mm-hmm. now that he's doing his own original music for it using a synthesizer. Yep. You know, he's scoring his own podcasts, which is incredible. So It's fantastic. Yep. But, yeah, speaking of artistically minded people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, we have to talk about Eric and Deborah bought 5,000. Eric and Deborah bought. Oh, excuse me, 500. 500. Deborah bought 500. Deborah bought 500. Okay, so in this whole machines taking over, there's two of these robot assistants in particular that get damaged Mm -hmm. in the brouhaha and are no longer receiving the kill capture message from the main AI. And so they have to obey commands given to them by the humans, as was their original function. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're coming in to take on the Mitchells and just to command like, don't stop. And they stop. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's like, they just, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was mom's idea. It was Linda who's, who shouted, you know, stop. And they stopped. And so they started calling her mother after mm-hmm. that. But yep. uh, they were pretending like they weren't actually robots. And so they go back outside and, like, draw terrible faces <laughs> mm-hmm. on their heads in, like, what must be lipstick. lipstick. Because nothing else is going to... Oh, and they're like, I, yep. I am not a robot. I am Eric. <laughs> oh, I am Eric. No, I I, I am Deborah Bot. 500. And the other one's doing a face palm. <laughs> uh, it's like when, oh, excuse us, we have to go downstairs. And they do the fake <laughs> go downstairs walk <laughs> behind a thing. And the Mitchells are just watching like, no, wait, I've got to see this way out. We're not going to do anything quite yet. Oh, so great. Yeah. And great moments like disguising their car as the road. Yes. So that the robots can't find them. It worked for a time. It, it did work for a time, but just really great moments. Yeah. It, it's well written. I think it's by the same people that did the Lego movie and uh, Into the Spider-Verse. So, yeah, some of the humor is very reference heavy, so it might not date well, you know, in the long term. But I think it, 
the heart of it, the core of it, will stand the test of time. Yeah, Mike Rianda and Jeff Rowe are those who uh, wrote it. And what I loved about this is that the credits were also animated. Yep. It's just, it's adorable. It's entertaining to the very, very end. And it's it's just laced with actual pictures Mm -hmm. of people who worked on the movies with their families. Oh, yeah. As children with their families and Mm -hmm. seeing them on, like, fishing trips and stuff. Oh, and Mike Rianda did the voice of the little brother. Oh, the mother too i mean we don't want to leave her out of it but yeah when she does the whole mother's rage thing oh yeah to protect her children and becomes like this a beast robot murdering assassin to the point where like the like next grade level robot warriors are afraid of her terrified yeah terrified because she basically rides in on two of them mm-hmm. that she has so turned cannibalized into like a, parts from. Like a Silver Surfer style surfboard kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. yeah that voiced, of course, by Maya Rudolph. Yeah. It is always amazing. amazing. Yeah. Just every part of this movie was fun and a feast for the eyes. Mm-hmm. So just watch it. Dark track time, do you think? Dark track time. Okay, the dark track comes from Bow Ever Down. We actually had planned to play this in the previous episode, but we had a change around of topics. So layering it in this time, as we're talking about cyberpunk, and it's an electronic body music band from Banger, Maine. Female fronted with introspective lyrics very cool and electronic music so we're gonna play for you the miss suicide remix of glass doll just a glass doll i can break so easily just a glass doll i can break so easily so easily i can break so Just a glass 
second time you've heard this because i played it for you last time too and i'm just distracted because i always want to say bangor 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 main bangor bangor it sounds middle eastern yep um well it probably is or it might be named after a middle eastern city yeah bangor. yeah uh yeah i like it you like it you liked the kind of glassy metallic percussion that yes. comes in every once in a while that clink i do like it yeah Lyrics are pretty eerie about, you know, killing your personality and killing your soul just to please the other person to be a a doll. Been there. Yeah. Having to change your core self just to please someone. Been there. Yep. What strikes me with Bow Ever Down is that, yeah, it has the electronic body music, future pop kind of musical style. But the vocal seems more in the arena of symphonic metal. Very much. And that's a weird combination. I like it. Oh, me too. Because it's a bit like the band Collide, which are named that because of his harsh electronic background and her, you know, soft, angelic vocals that they meld oddly. But what you get is kind of like chocolate and peanut butter kind of result. Mm. I think you get the same here as this... I mean, and if you're talking about vocalists, symphonic metal has some of the best around. And yeah, so, you a know, lot of time they're opera trained as well. Yeah, opera trained. And, yeah, there's definitely a compliment there with that style of vocals and that style of delivery combined with electronic music. Makes for an interesting result. And yeah, this was pretty much a direct submission through Twitter. Bowerver Down follows me on Twitter. And Noise. Also picked up an album that they had available on Bandcamp for $2. I think it's Lost in the Woods, I think it's called. And they also have a new album coming out in June. And I believe they're touring with Noise Unit and a few other bands, so that'll be fun. So, yeah, uh, Bow Ever Down, check them out. Follow them, subscribe, put them on their spot, on your Spotify, 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 (laughs) blah, 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 blah. You're confusing, you're confusing Shutterfly and Spotify, don't you? Shutterfly? I don't even know what Shutterfly is. Oh, it's a thing where you can send them your pictures and they'll put them in an album for you. Okay, I was thinking of maybe Gamefly, that made more sense, because that's something I know, Shutterfly, I didn't know of. It's hilarious. Ah, okay. But yes, that's Bow Ever Down. Right. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together, we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like, Why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about birds. No, we don't. Nope. (laughs) Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager. And... I was two butts, 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 butts. All right, I guess we're going to get into this topic finally. It's a game you haven't played, but you've seen me play every once in a while, walking in, watching me 
play a bit and there's bits that I've shown you specifically like one of the scariest moments in video gaming for my own experience yeah <laughs> but yeah we're talking about cyberpunk 2077 a rather controversial game for many reasons uh, one being that it was released far too soon mm -hmm. and i think that was through some kind of misguided idea of corporate synergy because it's based on the tabletop role-playing game cyberpunk 2020 Right. And so if they could release the game in 2020, there's this whole, hey, look, it mirrors kind of thing that players that the game don't care about. No, nobody they don't cares. Give a damn. Nobody cares. Yeah, that's something that I think just, you know, the company behind the re release, you know, they might care about that just as some kind of corporate goal that they set in stone, even though this should have been released in like two years later. Though mm -hmm. they have had patches since that have improved it. It crashes less often. There's somewhat fewer glitches, but it's still glitchy as all fuck. And this has been addressed in triple click. It's been addressed in how did this get played? That it is a flawed game in a lot of respects. And even in tonally, because although we're talking about cyberpunk, as a genre, it's very specifically the 1980s version of cyberpunk. Mm -hmm. It's like retro-futuristic. Yeah. And that they went back to the influential cyberpunk things by, like, Philip K. Dick, like Blade Runner, you Minority Report. You get some 90s stuff in there, like there's a lot of Strange Days in there, the Catherine Bigelow movie. Yeah, there's a lot of that in there. Other references, like... Akira, a lot of the big cyberpunk stories get, you know, they're nodded at and you can feel, you know, some of the derivativeness of it, you know, that it's very much basing itself on the 1980s version of what the cyberpunk future would be like. Like everybody still smokes cigarettes. Mm. You are like, they're not even vaping? You know, they haven't progressed past that. Well, to be fair, there's a lot of smoking in Fallout 4. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's just because people don't have anything else to do. Yeah. Nobody's really making cigarettes anymore, so well, what's eventually they're going to run out. What's wild about the Fallout series is it's like atomic punk. Mm -hmm. It's like it's specifically gone back to 1950s culture, but in the future. Mm -hmm. And so everything has this kind of 50s vibe. I mean, even your... Pip-Boy has this kind of 50s logo-like look to it. The Fallout Boy, yep. basically. Yeah, the Fallout Boy, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah isn't that what what it's named, and that's where the band got its name from, I, I think? I don't know, yeah. but yeah, it's it's the Fallout Boy, and yep. there's a Fallout Girl as well, but, yeah, you know, it's not used nearly as much. No. You see the one for Nuka-Cola, the Nuka-Cola Girl, I think, is very specific. She was made for the ride at mm -hmm. Nuka-Cola World. Yeah. So, yeah. But she became so popular that uh, it vaulted her into the public consciousness. Yeah, she's very pin-up kind of thing. Yeah, it's like she's in a spacesuit but has a bare midriff. I'm like, yeah. mm, no. And one of those bubble astronaut helmets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is a mod mm -hmm. where you can, uh, if you in install that mod, you will be able to go into the Super Duper Mart in Lexington and just take off the shelf the Nuka Girl outfit. 
Cool. And you will also have uh, unlimited jetpack with no fall damage. Oh, fun. <laughs> That's super fun. So it doesn't give you good armor or anything yep. like that, but honestly, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's a hoot. So basically, I always get that as early as possible, mm -hmm. and I'm just walking around in this ridiculous outfit, <laughs> and everybody's still taking me seriously. That's the whole funny part. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about cutscenes and mods. Because you could do that in like Saints Row, is dress ridiculously, and mm -hmm. then you'd have the cutscene dressed in that outfit, like wearing a hot dog yep. outfit, and having everybody address you seriously, or as serious as that game got. Yeah, another problem with the whole retro-futuristic thing is when you go back to the 1980s, you get back to some pretty ugly stuff too, like this kind of fear of Asian businesses, especially mm. Japan. Because yeah. that was a thing in the 80s, is that the Japanese were threatening to... I mean, what we got with China now is this, this weird threat that people feel that the Far East is claiming ownership over the west through through business transactions and whatever you get a bit of that especially with the arasaka company which is like the main villain in in this storyline even though you have like cool asian characters and you can even create an asian character you know you have a, a character build which i have a feeling originally it was meant as kind of a third person game but Eventually, along production lines, they went first person, mm. and it's completely first person. Like, everything you experience except at the very end, where you have the final cutscene before credits, where you get to see yourself from a third person perspective. The only time you really get to see yourself is if you check the inventory or looking in a mirror. Mm. Everything else is through the eyes of the character. And so I haven't had much problem with that with motion sickness unless I play for extended hours. But I could see somebody having trouble if they can't deal with first person games. But yeah, it's basically like a first person shooter. You're looking through your eyes and every once in a while you'll see your hands or you carrying a weapon. But generally. Oh, there's a weird glitch when you bring up your inventory, speaking of. And I just noticed what the problem is. Because at first it looked like you were just mutated. Like you would have this arm sticking out of the middle of your chest. Yeah. What would happen is it would have the outline of your profile. A silhouette of your person. And then it would misplace where the person was. Oh, right. And so you'd have this black figure. And then you'd have you in that figure, that frame somewhere. And so it would look like this arm's coming out of the middle of your chest when actually it's just off-centered. Wow. From the background. That's creepy. So it took me a while to notice that because I always thought, is it because I opened up my inventory when I was in a weird position? What's going on here? But no, it's just the graphics struggling to keep up. <laughs> and you get that with some cars being sunken in cement. You get that with people floating feet above the ground. Or people who they where they shouldn't be suddenly floating into frame where they should. Uh, vehicles that are supposed to be somewhere falling from the heavens to land where they're supposed to be. You know, that happens in Fallout 4 from time to well, time. Well, Fallout's notoriously glitchy. Yeah, but... And same with Skyrim games. But honestly, it's not... For the most part, the glitches don't interfere with you finishing the game. No. Or doing oh. any of the quests. Except for one yeah. glitch in Skyrim. 
where it keeps telling you there is a dragon, but the dragon is in the mountain underneath Solitude. Right. You cannot ever get that dragon. Mm -hmm. But every time you come to Solitude, you hear that music, and you see that little red dot, but you can't get to it. It's in the mountain. I've had a similar thing happen on Spider-Man with me when one of the bad guys was behind a closed door. Oh. I had to punch him through the door. Wow. To get him. Speaking of missions and glitches and how the glitch can interfere with the mission, there's one in particular where I had to load a previous save. And that's where you're working for the Perezes. I believe their name is. Perez? Anyhow, this guy's running for mayor. You work with them earlier on this case where a cyber psycho, and that's something we can get into later, attacks the previous mayor. And you find out he, I don't know if he dies there or he dies later. He might, no, I think he gets killed there. Because if you're going to become mayor, you want to know if you know somebody has you know a, a number on your head. So you work for them on this, and that's how you meet this Detective River Ward that you can romance if you want to. We'll get into that as well. <laughs> Because, like, God, Mass Effect series, there's some romance aspects to it. And I think Fallout has some of that, too, where you can romance companions. Well, yeah. yeah. And if you do, then you get this thing called... Oh, God, what like, is it called? You get, like, perks. There is a perk, but it's it's like when you go to sleep and you're well-rested. Uh -huh. This is like that, but bigger. Like, yep. if you go to sleep with your romantic partner nearby, you'll wake up together. Mm -hmm. And you have a boost for a longer time to your experience. Yeah. But it's uh, it doesn't bother me. Yep. <laughs> I think it's cute. Because I've romanced almost everyone in the game at one point or another. <laughs> so, plus there are female characters you can romance if you're playing a female. Mm -hmm. And there are some that I'm just like, well, why can't I have Deacon? He's the most fun. Yeah, we'll get into that kind of controversial thing as well with cyberpunk but i don't want to get too ahead of myself when yes, i'm talking sorry. about one other thing My sorry. okay so i'm talking about glitches that interfere with missions so the perillas i think that's their name call you again after this other mission saying that there was an intruder in their home and that the fellow shot at this guy and want to investigate find out exactly what's happening you find out that somebody's been spying on this couple and they've been Altering their brain chemistry. Ugh. <laughs> Jeez. And you follow all these leads, like this false door that leads into this room that has all this equipment that's hooked up to this television screen. No, you find like a first aid kit of where the wounded guy went to get, you know, his, his gunshot wound taken care of. And you follow cables up to this dish and it's going over to this black van that's in the distance. And so you go to where this black van is located and it takes off because it sees you coming and you have to follow it to this area where they're supposed to ambush you with this gang called the Maelstrom. Mm. And knowing that this ambush was going to happen on the most recent playthrough, I stopped and snuck up. You're not supposed to do that because the guy gets out of the van and runs off. And if he does that, you can't kill him and end the mission. Mm. He goes wandering off and disappears off screen, never to be seen again. And that mission's done. There's no way to complete it. Yeah. So you have to get ambushed. So once I learned that, I went in and just took care of business, found out you know, what they were doing. And later, this 
shadowy group calls you and is like, we know who you are. You know, we know what you're attempting to do. Stop it, basically. <laughs> and the suggestion, though, this never gets resolved. You never deal with these people again. But the suggestion is that they're artificial intelligence from the interweb that are trying to control the mayor of Night City to lay off of people messing around what's called the Black Wall, which is this border in the internet, in NetSpace, that is uh, between people using NetSpace and the artificial intelligence that lives there. <laughs> Weird. So that one you could screw up if you don't get ambushed. Another thing that screws up missions, and this really is annoying, is that you can use, like a wizard uses a spellbook, you can use cyber hacks. And if you become a netrunner and do a netrunner build, which is netrunners can hack into computer systems and manipulate data, steal data. Uh, you can hack into people's cyberware and mess it up. There's a this... They call them demons, but basically they're like applications or programs that you can install in other people. <laughs> and they're basically like your spells in a spell book. I mean, right. if you want to do, you know, translating cyberpunk into like a fantasy role-playing game, like Contagion will make them sick and it'll spread from person to person like a virus. And so suddenly people would start bending over and vomiting. <laughs> As you see their health go down, their short circuit, which just messes with their cyber systems and gives them electric shock there's overheat in which they'll catch on fire um that's horrible suicide's one of the meanest oh man because you just compel them to take out a weapon and shoot themselves in the head oh geez and sometimes you'll hear them go oh god <laughs> right before they do it oh man <laughs> or, oh. holy shit there's cyber psycho or cyber psychosis where you can install a cyberpsychosis program into one of a group and it'll turn against the others and just start blowing them away whoa uh detonate grenades fun if somebody's holding a grenade you can start its countdown and you see them go for their belt and try to juggle and <laughs> throw it and it blows up takes out like three or four of them there's breach protocol which you can use on machines to uh hack them for for data and you can get euro dollars from this you can get components so you can build your own bigger better programs based on that through crafting netrunner's my funnest build i like to max it out up to 20 you know i did that in a couple of playthroughs while you're doing this you can use a building's own camera system mm. you can hack through their camera system so you go into a camera find a view you can Use the camera to hack through to somebody through a camera. So you don't even have to be in the same room. <laughs> but the problem is, while you're hacking into the cameras, of course you get in the camera view. So you may be drifting as a character, and when you come back, you might be stuck under something. Ah. And you can't get out, and so you have to go in and reload a previous save. It's really annoying because it's part of the game. You're supposed to be able to do this. Mm. But while you're doing it, if you come back and you're stuck in some object or under some roof or something. And the thing is, you want to be hidden while you do this. So people just coming by don't see you doing it and take you out because that would defeat the purpose. Well, right. Of, I mean, it's, you're playing stealth mode basically when you're doing that. So that's annoying. 
as much as I like being a net runner to have something interfere with it like that. Uh, yeah. The worst. So romancing. <laughs> you can romance other characters based on your build, and that is basically what genitals you picked and what <laughs> voice you picked. Lame. And this game got a lot of flack for how it seemed to have promised gender fluidity and really failed miserably. Because mm. you saw me with building the characters is one of the first things you're confronted with is a character's dong. Yep. If you're playing a male character, they have them fully nude. No reason for it. No. It's It seems to be edgy for the sake of being edgy. In fact, early on, if you chose, because you can choose the size of your genitals, which seems puerile and juvenile, but if you chose like a larger penis size, it would show through certain clothing because the clothing wasn't, you know, they didn't design the clothing to fit the larger penis size. It seemed like the, choosing your the size of your schwang came later than the rest of the stuff in the game. Wow. For some reason, I guess just to say, hey, look how edgy we are, which is the least edgy thing you can do. So, yeah, anybody who chose a longer dick, it's just anytime you go into your inventory, it's there dangling out of the front of your pants. So <laughs> it's like it's completely <laughs> pointless. And it's all—it's like getting an unsolicited dick pic when you load in a game to play. It's like, I don't need to see this guy schwang. Yeah, but I'm glad that it's a, that it's a guy schwang, you yep. know, because how many times have women been presented as fully naked, but mm -hmm. men never are? True. Like, the, the dong's always blurred out and whatnot. It's yep. like, no, mm -hmm. equal rights here. Let's see it. I mean, they corrected that, I think, a little later, is that in certain scenes you're specifically in your underwear, no matter what, but not in inventory for whatever reason. Uh, speaking of fully nude thing here's another weird puerile what message are you sending thing is how nudity is represented in the female form in scenes because there's this gang called scavengers and what they do is they harvest cyberware from people and then sell it again on the black market and one of the first missions you're going in to rescue this client because you work for these people called fixers and this is all stuff from the role-playing game, is a fixer is basically like an agent for an actor or a musician or something, but they're an agent specifically for like net runners and people called solos, which are like mercenary types that are used for combat. Or, you know, there are all these different jobs you'd get as this cyberpunk, you know, basically soldier of fortune. You know, they're going to call you and say, hey, we need you to do this. Need you to go in and rescue this woman from these scavengers because she's really high end. She's supposed to have protection by the trauma team, which is like health insurance. But it's like even above that, it's like if you get kidnapped, they'll come in. They're kind of like a SWAT team meets paramedic. Mm. <laughs> and so if if you get kidnapped, you know, by by scavengers, they're supposed to be there and save you. But her system got blocked. And so you go in to rescue her. And, of course, she's naked, and you see they're also already working on retrieving organs, and there's this woman with the open chest, and her breasts are exposed. And it's weird at any time, and some horror movies get a lot of flack for this, too, is when you combine sexual imagery in a lurid way, 
with violence. Yeah, not cool. It's not cool. And it does it a lot in cyberpunk. And it's one of the things that I that I, I ding it for. Mm-hmm. Like when, again, you're going in for to some scavengers to rescue Evelyn Parker, who is this woman that hooks you up with a fixer to steal the main item, the, you know, MacGuffin of this whole thing, which is this artifact, which is basically this chip that has the personality of Johnny Silverhand on it. Like, that's the main thing of the whole story, and she's the one that sets up this mission. You later have to rescue her from these scavengers. And as you're going through, you find, you know, the bodies that they've already harvested from. And if, you know, you have the women turned over, but their legs are in such a fashion that their butts are sticking out and they're wearing thongs or whatever. And so it's like sexualizing the image of a dead body. Mm-hmm is so freaking wrong and it seems to do it a lot well you pretty much guaranteed i'm never playing this game (laughs) well yeah it's the world is bad and there's bad people in it and there's very few things i mean every once in a while you come across somebody like pan am's really fun and judy's fun a fun hang but most of it is just horrible because we're talking about a bleak future which a lot of cyberpunk is it's it's about capitalism gone mad What's really weird is that a lot of times you're working with the police or for the police because crime is so rampant that they've licensed out citizens to deal with criminals. And so basically you become like a bounty hunter or, you know, some kind of deputy. And it's weird, especially while the Black Lives Matter protests were happening Mm. at the same time this game's getting released Mm. and you're working with the police. I mean, every once in a while there's storylines that have corrupt police. Like the whole thing with the mayors. It seems like the police are behind that because they want, you know, a mayor that's going to work with the police rather than against them. And so you get a lot of corruption. And there's another mission where you have to convince a detective to drop her investigation because otherwise her fellow cops are going to kill her. That's an early mission that you have to have a charisma at a certain level to convince her. Otherwise, she'll not drop it and assume that you were sent to kill her and you end up in a gunfight. But yeah, there's just weird little tonal things like I think earlier, like this might have been a patch that they had, but you could just out of the blue... Because cops are always kind of on the verge of being enemies. You could just go ahead and hack him. Just anytime Mm. you wanted. That's mysteriously disappeared with the latest update. Mm. So I guess maybe somebody thought it was like anti-police or whatever. And it's like, what message are you sending here? They don't. Well, there's there. They don't seem to have a clear idea of any Mm. of their messages. Well, especially when there's a lot of anti-capitalist messaging in the game itself. But then you look at the company who released it and mm-hmm. how their labor practices were so bad mm-hmm. that they really pushed and pressured the game developers to release it in a certain deadline. That it's such a weird mixed message that you have, you know, this story. Because Johnny Silverhand is an anarchist, full on, like very much against corporate America. And you can find out later on through this long, like, like cloud in the live stream long backstory of why Johnny Silverhand has this grudge against Arasaka. Yeah, well actually Cloud in the live stream is not nearly as long as Barrett telling you the story of what happened to Cloud. Ah, right. That goes on 
forever. <laughs> yeah, it's very much like that. It's like, oh, it's this part of the game. Okay, I'm in for the long haul now. <laughs> well, see, that's the beauty of the PlayStation 4 version of Final Fantasy VII is because it has a triple speed mode. Nice. Which will make things go way faster. Yeah, just burn right through that. Yep. Oh, yeah, we were just talking about... Mixed messaging. Mixed messaging and sexualizing violence against women, which is just wrong. Oh, that's another thing with ch- choosing your sexual organ and your voice and how somehow that got mixed messages as being possible trans or non-binary. is like, no, that's not what that is. You're not even giving the option of a they, their pronoun. Your gender is decided by what sex organs you give you, what voice you give you. And so enemies that aren't even aware of you are using a certain pronoun. If you're playing a woman, they're saying she, her. Mm. And often they're using very violent terms directed against women, which in itself is problematic. <sighs> because when you're using you know very gendered language with implied violence, that means something different if you're a woman. Yeah, it sure does. Trans people even more so. Mm-hmm. So, mm. So Especially that's, trans women. Yeah, that's something that annoys me. I know it, it's it's weird that a game I've played through like four times. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I would, I'll would. i be happy to just play my other RPGs mm-hmm. where it doesn't matter if I'm male or female. I'm treated the same way in the game. There's no nudity yep. or uh, sexualization of violence. or. <laughs> yeah, that's the great thing about Saints Row 2 is you could play male or female character and the story didn't change at all. No. The voices were still great. You still read the same lines. Mm-hmm. And there's very little other nuance mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, the character acts the same no matter yep. if no matter male what. or female. Mm-hmm. Even some of the like body capturing and you know the motion capturing and the, the cutscenes are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Whether you're male or female. And it's just... It's just really good, and I wish more things were like that. Yeah, and that was, that's an old game. Mm-hmm. So, uh, with romancing, it's the same kind of situation. as who you can romance is determined by, by your, gender. your gender. And so, if who you're romancing is attracted to that gender, then you're likely to, you know, get that romance happened. Like Pan Am is attracted to males. So if you're playing a male, you're likely to romance with Pan Am. The problem is she flirts with you whether you're male or female. And so it's a little bit of what they call, I think, queer baiting. Mm-hmm. Is where there's the suggestion of a romance that will never happen. Yep. And for a while I thought maybe I was doing something wrong because I couldn't romance her as a woman. And it's, I had to look at it and it's like, no, you just can't. She's not attracted to women. Which kind of makes sense. You know, some people are attracted to other people and... You know. Yeah, but the fact that you can't do it at all yep. is the problem. Uh, River Ward's another person that you can romance, but only if you're a woman. Carrie, what's his, Eurodyne, I think his last name is, who's in Samurai, the rock band. He you can only romance if you're male. There's this weird woman that works for Militech that either way doesn't matter because apparently she's bisexual, but she's not one that you can like long-term romance. You get... You know, one sex scene with her and you're done. And the sex scenes are weird, too. Judy's only attracted to women. And she tells you that pretty early on, too. She talks about all these women that she's had crushes with. So you pick up very early on that, yeah, she's a lesbian and is only going to be interested in women. But at least you get a sign early on with Judy 
and I think largely those are my problems with the game. Mm -hmm. I guess I should talk about things I like. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure everyone has talked about problems, but mm -hmm. not so much the things that they enjoy. It's an immersive environment. It's really well done. There's times when you're playing kind of a more noirish side quest, and it starts raining. And it's just really great because you get that rain in L.A. kind of feeling. And it's very cyberpunky. Uh, all the neon signs at night are really nice. Um, the sound design, for the most part, is really good. You get weird advertisements. Or if you're in, like, Japantown, they're speaking Japanese over the intercom. And there's, every once in a while, a woman in a very bland voice, like, you know, you get with, you know, the public service announcements saying, mm -hmm. you know, if there are unusual high temperatures in Night City, please stay in the shade. <laughs> Also, that uh, some implants can affect parts of the brain that will never heal, so please use only licensed products. <laughs> that doesn't stop anybody, does it? No. So, oh yeah, there's some of the side quests are really fun, too. There's guy just randomly comes out of his apartment holding his crotch with, like, no pants on, and he's screaming in pain because he got a malfunctioning Mr. Stud implant. Uh, and so you have to drive him to a ripper dock to get it repaired <laughs> and he later sends you some cash but it's pretty funny because <laughs> as you're driving him there's school children walking across the street there's uh cops blocking the road so you have to go around and he's like come on <laughs> it's like, just drive over him it's like they're children <laughs> it's like ah, i need to get out of here it's like i'm screwing a pencil sharpener <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Uh, cyberpsychosis is this weird syndrome that just sets people off and they become homicidal for seemingly no reason and there's all these different theories as to why it happens that if maybe they've had so many implants that they've crossed past humanity and become something else or that it's interfered with some past trauma and that's started them off and so you're working with this former reporter turned fixer named i think her name's regina king you talk to her the most out of all the fixers because she assigns usual missions for some reason fixers are also car dealers because they want to sell you cars which is one of the stupidest parts of the game because uh, you get an achievement for buying all the cars but you're like this is a cyberpunk world. In other, any other open world sandbox games, you'd just be able to steal the cars to add them to your collection. You don't have to buy them. And yeah, they increase your street cred, but it's like, why? And I just barely learned now how to select different cars from my garage because they'll auto-drive to your location, which is kind of cool. And one of the vehicles is the is Kaneda's bike from Akira. <laughs> it's basically that. And it's really fun to drive. You can do that kind of power slide thing that they do in Akira. And it's kind of got this electronic sound while you're driving. It's like... And then as you go into the next gear, it's... The cat does not like those sounds. No, he doesn't. Um, there's also kind of a Batmobile-ish vehicle as well. And some others that are kind of nods to different things and the vehicle design is weird too because it's very retro a lot of them seem a lot clunkier than you would expect them to be 
and you don't really get flying cars as much as you thought from a cyberpunk feature even though you do ride them every once in a while but usually as part of a mission it's not like you can have one mission types you have the hunting down cyber psychos and you get to find out basically the story about how they become cyber psychos like some of them are are veterans or some of them were small business owners that they just got bought out and they cracked one of the scariest ones and this is one i showed you is the Ugh. maelstrom ritual where the idea was to die and be reborn as basically an electronic god because maelstrom their way into implants mm. like having their eyes removed and replaced with multiple cameras and a lot of them have very electronic sounding voices because they've been altered so much that even their throat you know they have like a vocoder sound to their speech patterns Jeez. there's this Fraser with like no lid out in the middle of this pentagram that has all these electronic lights set up and there's dead maelstrom surrounding it in this circle and as you approach your cyber implant to your optics starts to flicker and stuff Ew. <laughs> johnny silverhand right now is in your head because you've implanted this artifact and so he's existing in your head and talks to you every once in a while because he's slowly taking over you know that's something we can address too is like what the main plot is but yeah he's like um we have company and as he's saying that this woman comes out of this freezer that's full of organs as well and she pops out and she has these blades on her forearms and she just comes attacking you super fast mm. the thing is regina king wants you to take out the, all these cyber psychos without killing them uh no which usually means using either your demons to you know affect them to the point where they're incapacitated or you just beat them and if you increase your boxing skills enough and get these implants called gorilla arms you can punch for pretty decent damage but yeah that's one of the scariest scenes even in the middle of the day i think even in daytime it's scarier than nighttime because you just see everything so clearly how this woman's coming after you and it's weird as the way she breathes because of the glitch. You hear it for a while until you reload your game. Because you could be in a whole other part of Night City and you're still here. God. <laughs> until you reload. <laughs> okay, so here's the main plot. Uh, you can start as three different kind of builds. These are backgrounds to your character. And they have some influence over gameplay in your relations and what you can say in a social interaction you have your street kit where you just grew up on the streets as part of a gang the least interesting one for me because there's not really a whole lot of nuance or interest in playing a street kid it's just like okay yeah i just grew up on the streets i'm a gang member it's not that far removed from what you do in the later half of the game so there's not like you've had a change of personality or profession nomads kind of a nod to mad max you live outside of the city and some and you're just moving from place to place getting jobs as you can you're all drivers the the road is your life you just move to place to place and there's rival nomad gangs especially ones called the wraiths which are made up of people that got kicked out of other nomad tribes mm. or clans whatever you want to call them and that's what pan am is you meet her first time you see pan am she's well first time you see her you might even not know that until you do a, another playthrough 
is she's talking to a fixer named Rogue, who's from the original role-playing game. Mm. There are several characters about her, but she's like old school, like runs the city, works out of this place called the Afterlife, which is a, a club bar. And you're going to talk to Rogue about something, about setting up this whole mission thing. And Pan Am comes from arguing with Rogue and he's like, I wouldn't deal with her if I were you because she'll just set you up to betray you. It's like, well, thanks. And then you find out later, oh, that was Pan Am from earlier. Because you think the first time you see her, she's working on her engine and she's bent over and like her butt is like a meme. (laughs) It's like there's there's one meme that's like, if only the uh, red engine team would have worked more on the rest of the game as they did Pan Am's butt. Mm -hmm. How typical. (laughs) How typical. But she's she's cool. She's uh, she's very fiery and spirited and disagrees with the way their clan leader has been running the nomad group and is wanting to work with a corporation biotechnica i think they're called just running security and she's like that's basically the death of the clan it's like you just rendered all the freedom of what it means to be a nomad you just sell that to the nearest corporation (laughs) you can start as a nomad and the story with that is that your nomad group pretty much was dissolved in a similar fashion by selling out to a corporation and it just dissolved and now you're a nomad without a clan and so you have to start a whole new life and that's interesting when you deal with the avocados i want to say avocados but the the (laughs) the name of this nomad group let's just call them the avocados The avocados yeah you work with the avocados and become part of their family which is a nice nice thing if you're a nomad it it makes interesting sense one of my favorites is playing the corp, mm. where you used to work for Arasaka until your direct manager went rogue and killed like a whole board of members and then set you out on a mission to basically set up a rival and find out information about her and see if you can blackmail her or eliminate her or something. And that's when Arasaka comes, finds you at this bar called, God, I can't even remember what it's called. Lizzie's, I think. But yeah, they take your uh, cyberware away and leave you pretty much with nothing. And that's when you start a new life as a uh, as a merc. But it's interesting that either case, you know, if you're a street kid, a nomad, or a corp, you have different things you can say in conversation. And corp's fun because you can surprise people with your knowledge of the corporate life. <laughs> Especially when you go in to, to infiltrate to get this biochip. is. uh when you just humiliate this poor receptionist is like, did I ask for that? Did I ask for you to tell people of our arrival? I don't think so. Don't go past what your assigned duties are. Yeah. <laughs> and your friend Jackie's like, was that really necessary? He's like, that's the way this world works. It's like, you have to put your foot down and know where you stand. It's just the way it is. It's like, oh, geez, I can see why you left it. <laughs> or I couldn't even see why you did it in the first place. But yeah, your best friend Jackie... He becomes your best friend no matter what background you take. And there's different ways you do it. Like Nomad is you run a job with him where you're transporting this uh, some kind of reptile. An actual reptile, not like a clone or anything. And any animal is rare these days because there's been like, I think, a nuclear war and shit. Mm. Yeah, there's very few living animals. In fact, there's this Siamese cat you keep seeing. 
and there's this Takamura says that it's it's like a Bakaneko, a ghost cat. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Which is, you know, a spirit of the dead, and you're like, oh, wow, okay. That pretty much just influences what you can say in conversation and, and really doesn't provide much more than that. And yeah, different opening scenes too, how you begin. Be interesting if they had more opening backgrounds, like if you played as solo or if you're a fixer that got disgraced or something Hmm. (laughs) to see what other backgrounds you could do as downloadable content would be interesting, giving you different nuance into playing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're contacted by this fixer who's taken an interest in you. He's just come back into town. He's the fixer of some note that left and came back. And this client, Evelyn Parker, wants you to steal this biochip because she's been contacted because she's what's called a doll, which is a sex worker that can change their personality depending on what they download. And there's a whole thing later on where you deal with the dollhouse where she used to work. Yeesh. And that that story, there's like no happy ending, no matter what you do. Even the happiest ending is like, well, the leader is just as bad as the previous one. And you're like, well, then what did we do anything for? <laughs> just to show that, in, you know... It, this future, you know, there's no happy endings to be expected. But, you know, you work with Jackie and this uh, netrunner named T-Bug to steal this biochip. As you're doing so, Arasaka's son comes in and is visited by his father. They get in an argument. The son kills the father. You witness it. You get blamed for it. Now you're hunted, which is how you meet Takamura because he's sent after you. Uh, In escaping, the chip gets damaged and Jackie installs it, but Jackie gets wounded and, spoiler, dies. So you have to take the chip, you install it, and the fixer told you to go to the safe house. He kills you, but because the chip overrides everything, it actually resurrects you from the dead. Oh, wow. Because it's kicked in because, oh, this is like an immortality chip that you find out Arasaka has been working so that big daddy Arasaka can just continue living Yeesh. and running that empire, <laughs> which is the darkest ending of the whole franchise. Yeah. Is if you agree to work with Arasaka, that's basically what happens: is he takes over his son. Gross. Yeah, puts his personality into his son's body. Yeah, I don't like that. Nope. <laughs> it is very bad you have this chip in your head johnny silverhand a rock star and high-functioning sociopath (laughs) (laughs) who's seems like the big solution for him to anything is just to kill everyone because he bombed arasaka earlier on he's a terrorist but also a musician which is crazy and you find out why he bombed Arasaka is because his girlfriend, which he has a rather toxic relationship with, because I think she was also his drug dealer, was this famous netrunner by the name of Amp, who was developing this soul killer machine that would digitize your personality and imprison it. That's horrible. And so it would kill you, but upload your soul, basically, into an electronic prison. Why? Uh, because this was how the immortality thing happened, is you could digitize your personality and install it. And so it could be put on a biochip. 
And that's how Silverhand's personality ends up in your head, is he ends up being one of these. Because after he attacks Arasaka, he gets taken out by this guy by the name of Adam Smasher, who is this mercenary that's super cyborged out. Just a giant body with this tiny head. (laughs) And he pretty much almost kills Johnny, but leaves him alive so his soul can be uploaded into the spirit prison. Which Johnny, now that he's in your head, convinces you to... Because this is the supposedly the solution to separate you from Johnny is to go back into, I think it's called Mahoshi or Makoshi. But it's this weird digital spirit prison that you have to go into Arasaka, assault the building once again, get into the basement, upload Netrunner style into this big server and Amp, who's now this AI because she was also killed and uploaded into the system, but then became so powerful there because of her cyber hacking skills that she pretty much controls a lot of the stuff there. She has promised to separate you, but she can't because she forgot about the flesh, that she was only thinking about it in terms of numbers, of just electronics. And so that's a nice little surprise at the end of the game. Is like, oh, so I did this all for nothing, but I'm going to die no matter what. It's like I might just have a few months left. Heather Ann Campbell, who's a famous improviser from Whose Line Is It Anyway? A writer for the recent Twilight Zone. I think and she also producer. game reviewer, producer. You know, she's co-hosts How Did This Get Played? And she brought up an interesting point about... This whole storyline about Johnny Silverhand being in your head and taking over your bodies. When you play as a woman, what that means to give up your agency for a man. Mm-hmm. And that there doesn't seem to be a very pleasant ending for a woman. Because if you're playing as a man and you give up your male body to another man, which is the ending it seems to want. Mm-hmm. Because Johnny's going to live longer. And Johnny's learned to be a better person through your experiences and how you deal with things. Is that he really softens and he learns that violence isn't always the answer. One of the endings is like, you go ahead and sacrifice yourself. You become part of this digital nirvana, basically. Which I think would be an interesting sequel to do that, to it, is what that would mean from... Your character's name is V. No matter who you play, your name is V. V in Netspace would be an interesting sequel and what that would mean. And hmm. what you could do with that. And if you could download your personality into people <laughs> and go about and do certain things and then, you know, escape and download into other people and do something, it'd be an interesting thing. So basically hijacking a body. Yeah, you could hijack a body, do something, and then, or even get hijack a robot body or something. It'd be just stuff I've been thinking about is how you would possibly make a sequel. Yeah, that's basically the main storyline and all the while you get these side missions like you have kind of like thievery missions where you have to go in and steal something and come back. Like one of them is Carrie Uridine's guitar. You have to steal from a collector. There's like cyber hacking things where you have to go into a club and load some malware or steal a file. Uh, there's like gun for hire stuff when you're basically hired just to go into a place and obliterate it. There's rescue missions like one where again with the police is that they and this is something that actually happened to somebody is they one of their detectives they put into an institution 
and she was being very poorly treated there. You go in and rescue her. Other rescue missions, like somebody being kidnapped by the Tiger Claws, and you go in and take them out and rescue him. And of course, the Cyber Psycho missions, and there's some racing with a character by the name of Claire, which seemed to be kind of a late addition to kind of put a band-aid over the whole trans issue <laughs> of things they promised and failed to deliver on. Uh, Claire is a trans character, and she seems really cool at first, but then as you're playing this storyline, you find out that she's kind of bent on this revenge plot. <sighs> yeah, and it loses all its charm. And she really kind of fails at the end of the story because she just falls victim to the cycle of vengeance. To something that didn't seem to be somebody else's fault anyway because these races are very deadly and dangerous and kind of stupid because you're allowed to live fire at other drivers. And it's like, okay, this is dumb. Why not just have a straightforward race? It's like, do we really need to be shooting at each other? Is that really a required part of this thing? Why can't we just have races? Mm. Like any other game. But I guess just to make it edgy. All in the name of edgy. But yeah, the fact that it's so immersive. And it has Easter eggs. We already talked about Kaneda's bike. There's Roy Batty from Blade Runner on a rooftop. And it's really kind of hidden away because it's not a part of any mission. Mm -hmm. But there's an elevator that goes up into his apartment buildings where it's raining badly through the ceiling. Like the final, you know, action scenes of Blade Runner. Like the the manhunt part of it. And you go up to a roof that looks a lot like the roof from Blade Runner. Even has the little, I don't know, like something a gargoyle would be standing on. Like a buttress almost. Yeah. Yeah, just these overhanging things. And then you see this... Mostly naked man with white hair slumped over holding a pigeon in his hand. Yep. As it's so raining weird. on him. It's weird because it was like middle of the day when I went up there and I get up and it's like nighttime and raining. It was like, what the uh-huh. fuck? <laughs> oh, there's a bathroom that has three seashells in it, like from uh, Demolition the man. Demolition Man. Yeah. It's weirdly fun to play and I think that's why I keep going back to it. And it's a weirdly immersive world. That I like to experience, but there are problems with it, both tonally, like story-wise, and there's graphical issues and stuff like that. Oh, there's even weird things like Netrunners I ran across in the desert, where they're all dead. And it was like a cult, because one of them was in a throne. And they all seem to have been, like, shocked or fried by whatever they were doing. (laughs) Oh, dear. Yeah, and it's just out in the middle of nowhere, and it's like... Just through exploring, I found it. Combat system's pretty good. You get smart guns that the bullets will auto-target if they're within a certain frame of where your reticule is like this little square that's shown on screen. If you can, if your target's in there, you pick up one smart gun that has AI in it that will assist you in... Either a pacifist mode or a cold-blooded killer mode. And cold-blooded killer will automatically go for the head. Mm. And I'll do that to a limit until it says, Okay, wait, you're killing way too many people. I'm going now to the other mode. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there's various weapons that you can upgrade, add mods to. Another kind of dumb thing is that your armor class is tied to what clothing you wear. So you end up with that stu- really stupid ro- role-playing video game thing of 
putting on really ridiculous looking clothing just to get the best armor rating. So, um. like, your clothing doesn't match at all. It's like you're wearing high heels and a cowboy hat and, you know, a motorcycle jacket and a skirt. It's like, it just doesn't work. <laughs> uh, oh, you, you get an achievement if you find all of uh, Silverhand's clothing. One of my favorite bits is you get to play in a live band. No. Because part of Johnny Silverhand, if you want to get a really close relationship with him, and if you do, he'll help you do a solo mission at the final thing, which is kind of hard because you're dying at the same time you're taking on all of Arasaka. But he wants to do with Carrie Uridine and some of the other surviving members of Samurai just a one-night gig. And so you get to be on stage being the lead guitarist in a band, and it's super cool. <laughs> and it's one of the better songs, too. Silverhand keeps saying that Never Fade Away is his favorite song, and it's really not that good of a song. <laughs> mm. But this is actually a really cool song, and it's it was fun to play. Alike Supreme, it's called, is the song you perform live at this little bar that was also their, the site of their first gig. I guess there's that weird mission where you track down a, a kidnapper of of young men and that you use brain dances. Okay, I haven't even gone into brain dances. But uh, Judy Alvarez, which is one of the people you can romance, she's super cool. She's a brain dance editor. And brain dances are basically the entertainment system of the future. Is that It's like from Strange Days where you can download things directly into your brain. And so you can experience other experiences and there's like... Things called raw brain dances or XBDs where they're extreme. One of the ones you experience early on is somebody going in to rob a convenience store. Mm. You experience it firsthand. And this guy also gets killed. And so it's there's people out there for flatlining XBDs where you experience somebody getting killed. Yes. And so you get that adrenaline rush plus the added aspects of getting murdered. Since Judy's an editor, she can help you edit and find things around, like stuff that people picked up peripherally. She can boost, so you'll pick up, like, something found on a security camera. Noises heard in this corner, and that's how you track down her Evelyn Parker. That's how you track down her location where the, the scavengers are keeping her, is you get a hold of one of their XBDs and you find out where they're located. Brain dances are, are crazy. They're, they're a thing, so... Yeah, and that you use brain dances recorded from just weird dreams of this this kidnapper while he's in a comatose state because the police managed to find him and they shot him. They didn't quite kill him, but they to locate these kidnapped boys, you need to to experience his his past and figure out where they are. So oh. really eerie, interesting storyline and very dark. But yeah, has that kind of cyberpunk hook to it. So I think that's me done talking about cyberpunk. I do enjoy the game, however flawed it is. And I understand its flaws and, you know, I acknowledge its flaws. But at the same time, it's 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 fun to play. And, you know, that's just something that happens with certain games. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's 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 flawed in many ways. But damned if it isn't fun and immersive. And what else do you expect from a game? Right. All right. What do you think? Shoutouts? Shoutouts. Hey! hey! My shout out is to Dementia Von Grimm. It's her birthday right now. 
right now this very day as we're recording yes 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 um queer icon goth icon very cool and uh, a good follow on on the twitter nice is that it uh, yeah it's just a, a good friend in the the circle of this goth community i seem to have found myself hmm. uh lately in on twitter where we you know share songs and memes and fun stuff so yeah cool well we mentioned him earlier but i'm i'm shouting out anthony birch because i don't know how the fuck he wrangles all those people <laughs> he's yeah because they're quick to ruin any plans he has usually oh, yeah. but he still gets them every once in a while when they least notice like expect it to mm-hmm. just out of nowhere it's like oh those jewels you just handed off to those guys? Well, guess what? That wasn't the person you thought it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing where Henry decides he wants to go back and look at the thing that was inside Daryl that almost killed him. Uh-huh. And he's like, okay, if you want to do it. And then he has to roll, like, what, a constitution saving throw? I can't mm-hmm. remember what he had to do. Yeah. And he did not make the, the cut. And he says, okay, well... Uh, this is like something out of H.P. Lovecraft. You cannot describe it. It <laughs> is like unlike anything you have ever seen. It's a horror beyond imagining. And now for the rest of your life, you will be disadvantaged on all nature checks and all this stuff. And and Will's like, wait, what? The, the rest of my life? Yeah. He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wanted to look at it. Now you pay the price, dude. Yep. You were compelled to look at something that no one should look at. Yeah. So it's 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 not like he's trying to punish them. Uh-huh. But if you do something dumb, then, you know. Yeah. If you do not heed the DM's warnings, then mm-hmm. whose fault is it really? Yeah. And they, they stumble into so much shit because <laughs> of that. Because mm-hmm. they don't listen to Anthony. Well, I was talking with other DMs about this is that to some players, a DM's warning seems like a call to adventure. When you list off all the things like, okay, there's heads on spikes leading up to the entrance to this cave. It's like, ooh. (laughs) It's like, no, you approach closer. There are corpses laying about of heroes that are far more advanced level than you. <laughs> like, uh, we're not going in the cave. Yeah, it's like, okay, maybe we're not supposed to go there yet. He is long-suffering, mm-hmm. but is also telling a very compelling story. Yep. And I just, I don't know if people appreciate the work that goes into being a dungeon master, oh, or yeah. daddy master in his case. Yeah. Well, the fact that he's willing just to take it on the chin when they undermine what his plans were, mm-hmm. it's like, well, this is the game. This is this is just part of it, is players finding ways around what the DM has planned. Yeah, well, he figured that out pretty early yeah. on. But at first, he would get a bit upset. Yeah. But, you know, those guys and Beth, are going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. And they're going to react in ways that he is not going to be able to predict, and he rolls with it. Like trying to hide in your own pants. And succeeding. Yep. <laughs> so you're just this little pair of eyes poking out of the top of a pair of I, pants. I do love the fan art of that. Yep. So, yeah, Anthony, God love you. Mm-hmm. You are you are the man. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, Dungeons and Daddies. Okay, next time will be the World Goth Day special. I'll try to get it out a bit earlier, so you'll have it on the day, if not earlier. 
And after that, we'll just uh, see what happens. Possibly go back to the tarot. Mm-hmm. Since we seem to be having fun doing that. Yes, we are. All right. Later days. Bye. This has been the Dark Corner Podcast with Dave and Brandy Chicola. Follow me on Twitter at DarkCornerCast. Brandy is Brandy112. Brandy with an I. 12 is a number. We also have a Facebook page and Facebook group. Both are the Dark Corner Podcast. If you have feedback, email us at thedarkcornerpod at gmail.com. The intro track is Our Promise 2020 version by Studio X versus Simon Carter. The outro is Goodbye by Nina Mee. The dark track has been offered for free as a promotional item or was submitted by the artist or artist's representative. All other music is illustrative and no violation of copyright is intended. You can hear more from Brandy and me on What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery podcast on Anchor. Brandy also appears on Boldly Go, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast, also on Anchor. Join the chat most weekends around 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time as Brandy records the Unready Room, live with Dan Gunther on the Kurt Ratz YouTube channel. Kurt Ratz is Star Trek spelled backwards. A special thank you to Tom Elliott for providing hosting for our website. Please subscribe, rate, and review if possible, and thank you for listening. It is our joy to keep you in the dark. The Dark Corner.